This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. And today is Wednesday, August 21st. And this is Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, coming to you today from hot and sultry Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, many thanks again to Outdoor Living Brands CEO Chris Grand Prix for joining us last week. Lots of exciting things happening there worth keeping an eye on, not only in terms of their existing franchise brands, but also as pertains to the overarching organization under Chris's leadership. They've got it all going on. Sustainable growth, sensible franchising, all coupled with the benefit of Chris's prior experience in capital markets and private equity. So if you've not downloaded that episode yet, be sure to grab it the next time you take a download and give it a listen. You'll be glad that you did. This week, we'll be joined by a guy whose name I've mentioned a couple of times over the past few weeks. So who could that be? Ryan Hicks? Zach Fishman? Well, those would be good guesses, but I'm referring to another rising star in the millennial ranks of franchising, none other than Christian Pillett. You may remember a couple weeks back when I had OxyFresh Carpet Cleaning founder and CEO Jonathan Barnett on the podcast. During that episode, I called out the names of one of his local franchisees here in the ATL. That was Christian. I've known Christian Pillett for a number of years on the supplier side of the franchising landscape, first at Kigo, and more recently with Adfinitely, a company of his own that he recently sold. But only more recently than that did I learn that he too was a franchisee, both with OxyFresh and Cherry Blow Dry. Well, today we'll be talking with him about his very latest venture, a cutting-edge marketing platform called Transitive. And we'll get into that and a whole lot more in just a few minutes but first, as always, we kick things off in the front of the house by celebrating this week's franchise birthdays. So happy birthday wishes this week go out to Mark Jamison, Brian Lacey, Seth Salzman, Linda Hanneborg, Ben Trust, Renee Lyle, Ulrich O.J. Johnson, Tim Williams, Nicole Durham-Mallory, Susan Larson-Balloon, and Franchise Today founder, former host and co-host, my friend Paul Segreto, Jack Armstrong, Sally Fascinelli, Robert Lillijal, and we round it all out with Roger McManus. I hope I got them all, and happy birthday to you, one and all. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into an interesting interview with a good guy here in Atlanta, Christian Pillett of Supplier, franchisee, not yet a franchisor, but hey, he's only 30, so he's got time. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis 
is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Today's guest, Christian Pillett, is passionate about transforming disruptive ideas into actionable business strategies. Christian is co-CEO of Transitive, a MarTech company providing franchisors and franchisees with cutting-edge intelligence about their customers and local store marketing. By enabling franchisees to identify their best customers, they can actually help them market more effectively and bring better customers, their best customers, back to them more often, target more customers that are like them, and actually increase average ticket along with increased frequency. Christian's core competencies include market and sales strategy, PPC, SEO, local search, entrepreneurship, marketing, and of course, all things technology. Christian Pillett, my friend, welcome Stan, to Franchise thank you Today. Thank so for having me on. Everything but a franchise, or I kind of cracked on it, but you know, you're a young guy with plenty of time left. Do you think you'll ever see the third side when, of the school? When you cracked on it, I just started smiling to myself, and I was like, is that the holy hmm. grail, or is that just a lot more work? The answer yeah. is probably <laughs> yes. Yes, to both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To start the interview the way we do every week when we bring the guest into the hot seat, and eh, it's not really a hot seat. This isn't 60 Minutes or anything like that, but what we try to do is learn a little bit about the person before we get into the franchising aspect aspects of your business and your career. And so we do that by rewinding the tape to where the inflection point made itself known. How did you and franchising find each other in the first place? Great question. So I started, I guess started my entrepreneurial career in college. I started a, my first business. It was called Vacation Food Source. We delivered food to vacation homes and it was delivered the day people arrived there. I did that for about two and a half years. Got very, very good at internet marketing. Fortunately, I wasn't great at supply chain. So basically after two and a half years, the supplier I used for shipping food shut down. That left me out of a business and out of a job. Uh, so went looking for opportunities and came across a small internet marketing company called Kigo. And there were probably about four or five full-time people in the office at the time and applied for and got a job there running their digital marketing program. And Kigo happened to really only serve franchise brands. So that was that was when I first came across franchising. And really even before that, I didn't I didn't understand the business model at all and didn't didn't know too much about what franchising was about. Tell us a little bit about your your school years. And you said you kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship while you were in school. Did you go into college with anything in mind career-wise? I did not. So rewinding a little bit more, I actually spent the latter years of high school in Europe. I was living in Germany. I thought it'd be a good idea to get an education. So I came back to the U.S. and applied for colleges really without any idea of what I wanted to do, just knowing that going to college was a good idea because that's the path people are supposed to take to get a to get a job. So going into school, I was doing a double degree in German and finance. German because it was really easy. Finance because I figured business was good. And stumbled across an entrepreneurship class. 
started that vacation food source business. And that's really what propelled me into, into entrepreneurship and what I've been doing over the past 12 years. And you are, too, a pretty competitive guy, right? Even on, in your personal life, I know you play soccer, you love, love to sail, you mountain climb, you unicycle on mountains. Unicycling anywhere is scary <laughs> enough to me, but doing it in mountain unicycling, come on. And I think you're something of an adventurer as well. I think I found on Facebook searching to do some research in advance of the interview. Um, I kind of think I saw a picture or two of you standing atop Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, so very adventurous and very competitive. Played played semi-pro soccer. I sailed in college, sailing national championships, even at the small school that I was at. I definitely, it's not that I'm into mountain climbing. It's just that we've, my friend and I figured it would be a good challenge to go climb Kilimanjaro. Uh, so at one of the IFA conventions, I was walking around wearing ankle weights to train for the train for the journey. That's amazing. And as I said, you know, I, I think I called it out once or twice. You're a 30 year old guy with a tremendous career path and trajectory in front of you. And what a better place for you to be than in an industry that sees and values and respects uh, the upcoming generation franchising has uh, run this program called Next Gen for several years. And we continue to find and promote entrepreneurship as something to be more intentional than it really has been. I think that the Palm Beach Atlantic University's uh, Titus Franchise Center and Cornell University and Kennesaw State and Georgia State here as well in Atlanta are but a few of the handful. Georgetown, I think, is another of schools that are actually offering uh, courses in entrepreneurship and in the case of Palm Beach Atlantic with a concentration in franchising for your undergrad business degree. It's not something yet that's been noted as being frequent or intentional, Christian. What are your thoughts through the eyes of a millennial entrepreneur in franchising? And how do you see that progress line moving? Is it going quickly enough or do we need to do more and hit the gas harder? So the the challenge inherently with franchising is someone owns the brand and then they have all the all these local branches and trying to trying to speed up the communication and trying to get things down from corporate to a local level needs to happen quicker and quicker. And I think that's what kind of sometimes slows the the franchise business model. And in terms of getting in touch with the next generation, basically, I think franchisors need to start condensing the amount of time that it takes to do things with technology. And getting time to value for for millennials or programs that they're launching quicker, and then millennials will be more likely to adopt because it'll be a, a, an industry that moves a lot quicker. Does that make sense? I think it does. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think it's you know people like you have been born into the technology of the day today, where many in leadership and franchising come from days where, you know, telephones had dials instead of buttons and fax machines were the hottest ticket for instant communication. And today it's text. And in between, we've seen the birth and death of the fax machine and email is even beginning to decline. So I think, you know, we're in a faster pace in this portion of the 21st century than in generations that came before. So I think that hitting the gas harder now will happen quicker and faster because everything else is happening quicker and faster too. Am Absolutely. I right? Absolutely. So one, one example before we switch topics, if, if you look at the Fortune 1000 companies, I think over 85% of them have adopted Slack or a Slack-like platform. And if you look at franchising, 
How many franchises have a communication platform that allows anyone within the organization to talk to each other in minutes? I can't answer that, but I bet you can. Uh, it's it's more just it's anecdotal, but I ask everyone, and it's very very few brands. I'm sure you're right. I don't know what the number is, but I'll bet it's on the low side of whatever I would have guessed anyway. So let's chat about how this moment in time for you found its way into the changes that you've made, which again, speaking of speed, I mean, you've pretty rapidly advanced from going to work for a company called Kigo to beginning your own business called Adfinitely and then into Transitive. Why don't you take us on the journey and help the audience understand what it was that you were stair-stepping to? And did you even have awareness of it or did you kind of stumble into some of this along the way? Yeah. So a lot of it's a lot of it's stumbling into things, but one of my core beliefs is that as soon as I feel that I'm stagnant or stagnant or I can't progress, it's time to make a change. A lot of people are afraid of change. I actually love it. I I hate feeling like I'm stagnant in one place. So if you look at Kigo as a company, Kigo was really a marketing agency. So we manually did pay per click local listings, a lot of different. SEO programs for franchisors. And and the impetus to change the ad finally, I met a German guy at a GIFA conference. I think it was in 2013 or 2014. And he had this platform that scaled uh, in an automated way, these digital campaigns for franchise brands. So you'd create one template, that template could launch campaigns for all the individual locations of a brand. Well, that at the time, that was a genius idea because you could easily and efficiently optimize all of these campaigns. So with Adfinitely, I did a deal uh, with him. We became business partners and Adfinitely launched here in the U.S. And uh, over three years, we we grew to a, a little, I think we worked with over 70, 70 brands in a three and a half year period. Really, really fast growth. And it just showed that the industry needed it. From there, towards the end of Adfinitely, I came across a guy named Ashley Messer. So the VP of operations at Adfinitely, Justin, introduced me to Ashley. He said he used to work with him and that he was, quote unquote, the smartest guy he'd ever worked with. And then he told me, went on to tell me he didn't know exactly what Ashley was doing, but I should check it out because it seemed, seems to be really cool. So we invited Ashley in. Ashley's a true technology guy, cargo shorts and flip flops to the office most of the time. And he he had this great platform. The platform was all about identifying who the best customers are and then targeting them with ads that were meaningful to those people and doing it dynamically. So each person got an ad on a one-to-one basis. Over over a three-month period, Ashley pitched and sold this process, this program to us. And I didn't really understand exactly how he was doing it, but uh, I eventually used my Cherry Blow Drive bar locations to test it and saw uh, just by targeting the right people and using first-party customer data, saw about 20% growth at all of my locations over a three-month period. Prior to that time, what have you ever seen that could do that? I've, I've never that seen way. that significant jump from a digital marketing program, uh, unless it was just a complete overhaul in creative or some sort of cause marketing campaign. That's pretty impressive. So carry on from there and yeah, tell us the rest so of the story. Ran it with the Cherry Blow Drive Bar locations, launched it to a couple other Adfinitely clients, and then it became really clear that using and leveraging first-party data was the way, way of the future. And I just became hyper-focused on it and really interested in it. And the alignment between my German partner and I just became a little bit different because I saw this kind of conversational dynamic marketing as the way of the future. 
and uh, we amicably did a deal and I decided to sell Adfinitely and join Transitive as of January of this year. All right. So you use the term conversation marketing. Expand on that and unpack that a little bit more for the audience. Yeah. So marketing to date has been transactional, meaning every time you get marketed to, you'll go to a website and then they'll say, hey, fill out this form and you know we'll contact you. And that's kind of the end of the marketing experience. So once you fill out the form, you know, then it's in the hands of the salesperson. The future of marketing is really going to be conversational. So brands are going to start to understand your interests, different demographic and psychographic traits about you. And they'll use those to send you dynamic messaging, both pre and post sale, based on your most likely behaviors. And really going to be a one-on-one conversation between you and the brand uh, for each brand that you interact with. So how does that look? How does that work? If I'm a franchisee, what do I do to take the power of a program like Transitive and and make it work? What's different for me than what I was doing before? So at Transitive, to do to understand that, you have to take data from every system that you have that customers are interacting with. And then you have to pull that into one central spot and really start to understand that data. So we use different machine learning models, big data models to figure out uh, what the customer's interactions have been, how they're interacting, their kind of intonation when they're interacting. And then on a go forward basis, we can be predictive about the things that they want to see. And then that's how we get those conversational marketing campaigns. It's understanding the entire past allows you to give a better give a better message in the future. And how does all of that information get aggregated? If I'm the franchisee, um, what do I have to do to, to get all that pulled together? Or do you do that with me or for me? How does yep. that look? So we work, with, uh, we work with franchisees, brands, and auto dealers, and we have connections to a lot of the different systems that are out there. So we'll, we'll connect into your point of sale system, your loyalty system, your website, uh, any of your marketing systems. We'll pull information from there, and then we'll do this for you. So as a franchisee, it's not like you're having to log in and do all these data pushes or file pushes. We're actually just pulling it automatically, and then we give you the outputs of of the marketing. So there's not a lot of interaction for the franchisees. You know why I'm asking that question, right? I mean, it's, it's not a secret in franchising that franchisees, if you ask a field ops person what their number one problem is to get over the hurdle of with the franchisees that they serve, I think 11 times out of 10, the answer is going to be marketing. So a question I'm asking is if this is going to put more on the franchisee, is it really going to work? But what you're telling me is that's well, not Stan, the issue I'm, at all. I'm a franchisee. I knew that if I tried to do this without the team at Transitive, there's absolutely no way that I could pull it together. So we've definitely done it in a way that any franchisee can do it because we, I do use it for all of my locations, but it's done in a completely automated way where I just get a reporting dashboard to log into. All right. So help us expand the theater of the mind here. What I think I hear you saying is franchisees using this tool can now not only identify who their customers were and when they came and when they went, but you can identify and segment profiles of your franchisees that machine learning is going to pick up on that we as individuals would probably have never associated data points and connected those dots. So you're saying you can put all of a typical type of customer or several different types of customers into different buckets, and then you can ask 
your your system to find more people like those that are in the highest quartile yeah, or your best value so customers? We have once we pull all of the information about a brand's customers into our system, we can run different machine learning models, big data models on it to figure out who the best customers are and why. And we can provide that at a brand level or a location level. Um, but something is when we talk about building out these customer segments, they're actually being built off of transaction history and all of the data from the past. Uh, so we can build out models on customer lifetime value, uh, day of week seasonality. So if people come in, these types of people come in Tuesdays when these type of people come in Fridays. We have an RFM model. It's a recency frequency monetary value model. And that basically scores your customers on a scale of one to five, five being the best. Uh, but my point in, in saying this is you're now starting to score your customers on first party data, meaning data that you actually own. In the past, marketers would go out and they would buy customer segments. They'd, they'd go to like Oracle and they'd say, hey, I want people who are 25 to 35 that have these traits and they'd buy that data from Oracle. Uh, and that Oracle data is wildly inaccurate. So that's not a good way of doing it. Now that they're able to create these segments of their own people, they can truly go out and target more people like the people that they know are the best people. So if they don't go to a third party for that information, once they've figured out who their best customer is, how do they then find more like that? Yeah. Where do so they go to find them? By taking audiences of your best customers and putting those into... You can push them into Google, use a feature called Customer Match. You can push them into Facebook, use lookalike audiences. You can push them to display networks using a similar lookalike feature. Those places will do a really, really good job taking a look at the users you're pushing in and then using their own data, which they hold completely private now after Facebook's little mishap in uh, 2016. So... Once you push the data in there, they can still run the same types of targeting models. They just don't share that data with any third parties anymore. And Christian, this sounds like it could be, I don't know, you know, a very high tech could be expensive. Are there any franchise awards that are too small to take advantage of this? Or like you, you know, with one cherry blow dry and an OxyFresh franchise, is this something that you could typically afford as because a single franchise franchisee? Space for 10 years, we have pricing models that support every type of franchise system and every type of uh, every way that a franchisee might purchase it. So whether they're buying this on their own or whether the franchisor is purchasing some, some of it on their behalf, it's really up to the franchise system and how they want to purchase this and up to the franchisees how much they want to invest in it. Well, you've walked us right up to the next topic of conversation and we're going to take another quick break. But when we come back, I want to take a look toward the Zor side of this because if all of this that we're discussing here can bring that kind of value proposition at the local unit level, imagine a franchisor grabbing these reins and taking this system-wide and having this kind of information about who it is they're doing business with, where, when, how, and why. Let's come back and talk about all of that right after this. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team 
and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified too with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Hey, thanks, Christian, for allowing me to pay some bills. Appreciate your patience, and uh, (laughs) we all have to do it, right? So I'm really intrigued now as we have talked all this first half of the program about the value proposition at the unit level. If you roll that up to the Zor level, I'm intrigued by the amount of intelligence that's available to a franchisor. So how does all this come together in a corporate dashboard and how does all this come together the for Zora a home office? level is actually where it starts to get really exciting. So uh, at the home office, at the Zor level, we roll up all the information that we're collecting at a local level into a Zor dashboard. So not only do the franchisors get to see what's happening at a local level, but they get an aggregated view of all of their, uh, the customer information from their franchisees. And they can actually tag each location with certain things about that location. So it could be a non-traditional location, could be a suburban versus an urban location. But franchisors are now able to segment and sort that data to see which marketing programs perform in which areas and which marketing programs perform for which demographic of people. So if you know that this customer segment of people who are 18 to 30, you can pull that in, see how your media actually works when you're targeting those people in that customer segment. And how real time is this? What is the, what is the, you talked earlier about that gap. What's the real time perspective here from transaction occurring at a location to dashboard reporting at home office? Well, the short answer is we typically pull nightly. So every 24 hours, this updates, we'll pull all the transactions from all the locations. Uh, however, it could be done every four, six, eight, 12 hours, uh, just depending on how automated the franchisor wanted to make it. I think we'd call 24 well, hours we pretty immediate. We were talking about bringing Christian, the time down for these things earlier in the program. I think yeah. you're already the, there in that regard. The truth so, is in our system, we have it going every talk 15 about- minutes. Uh, We just report back every 24 hours. That's still amazingly quick to me uh, by any standard. So let's talk about what some of these segments could be. If you've got point of sale working, then you probably can see menu items ordered or which customers are buying a dessert, for example, or who's drinking wine and who's drinking Coca-Cola. Are you able to break down the, the tailored to custom message that you talked about, that personalized kind of marketing? Right yes, down to so that level? Depends on the point of sale. Uh, however, most point of sales, Aloha is a really, really common point of sale in the franchise space. It's built by NCR. Using Aloha point of sale, we can actually figure out the items that individual people are ordering. We can uh, take orders through a chatbot for Aloha. So we can launch uh, Facebook ads on a chatbot or uh, take chatbot orders through a website. 
but we can figure out segments of people who are ordering dessert, ordering red wine, ordering uh, the combo meal instead of just the sandwich. So if you were going to do a wine tasting program, you could actually know which ones of your customers you're going to have a special dinner night and you're going to bring in somebody from a winery and you're going to have samplings and pairings. You know who on your list to shoot those invites to, which otherwise yeah, might not be what's great about transparent data, or visible at all. Run a quick customer segment, right? see who's purchased red wines over $15 a glass. And then, you know, the perfect customer group of people who are most likely to like wine. What else can it do? We talked about increasing frequency, upping average tickets, so you can do upselling with this, can't you? You can find people who don't ever buy dessert and maybe yeah. put a dessert uh, offer out too. Really, when you approach increasing same-store sales at franchises, you can, one, get new customers. You can, two, increase average ticket. Three, increase frequency. Or four, improve retention. And it really depends on the type of brand, which which one is most uh, most valuable. We can take a look at... Take a sub shop, for example, we can take a look at people who come in once every two weeks and get a sandwich and we'll start to understand the most likely days that they'll come in and we'll promote an offer that says, hey, get a sandwich and this extra large cookie and we'll give you a dollar off your total order. It still increases the average ticket. It coupons a little bit, but they're, the stores are still making more money. And then, too, you can look overall your aggregated segments and see Tuesdays are the worst day of the week for us. So let's just put out a general offer to all and any customers that have been here in the last, I don't know, 60, 90 days and yep. run a Even Tuesday night promotion though, or a Thursday night promotion. segment of all people who have visited on Tuesday in the past. And then you can start to target just the people who are likely to come on Tuesdays. And again, the ease of doing this, what education does a Zor need? A franchisor in the marketing department probably has some expertise managing data and working dashboards, but how complicated is this for the layman to get their head around and to be able to manage and actually benefit from all of these tools with yeah. without a if tremendous you, amount of education to do so? If filter in our dashboard, uh, anyone who can use Excel and the filter function in Excel where you filter by just people on Tuesdays, Anyone who can use that function would be capable of creating a customer segment and targeting those customers within the platform. Can you use it like you would a Boolean you kind of a search, you know, that. where you, you did can, it for this, and, then and that? Any developer can use it too. Uh, developers love it. You can do SQL statements in it. Uh, but what we find happens most of the time, we'll actually set up these marketing programs with franchisors. And then we will work with the franchisees to launch them at a local level. So we'll kind of create templates for the, the primary goals of a franchisor. Maybe it's increasing frequency. And then once we've set those programs, we'll go to the franchisee and say, hey, we have a program to help you increase the frequency of your customers. Are you interested in participating? Uh, and it, it really just makes it white glove and self-serve for the franchisees. I can't imagine anyone answering anything, but of course. I mean, it's just to me, it seems like a giant no-brainer. And you talked to me about something too offline that I wanted to ask you to clarify again for the audience today. And that had something to do with being able to identify an IP address with perhaps up to 50% or 80% Correct. accuracy so as to who it's owned by. People ever raise their hands and identify themselves as a potential customer for a brand. We can take just an IP address of someone visiting a website, 
identify who that person is, first name, last name, address, phone number, email, with about 50 to 80% accuracy. And really, it depends on the amount of bot traffic coming to the website and a couple other features. So we'll take that IP address, run it through a cross-device graph, and all of a sudden, we'll know who that person is. And we can really run remarketing programs on steroids to send people direct mail uh, to completely unidentified people. All right. So this begs a huge question that's about to be presented to you here, Christian, and that is franchise development. So as a franchise development executive for a great many years, what you're describing to me is manna from heaven, because as times have changed, so too have changed the habits of prospective buyers of franchises. And in the old days, you know, we used to be in control of the information. We'd get them to the website, fill out a short form. And, you know, you want more from me. I want more from you. And we just kind of started a little volleying of data going back and forth to each other. Today's world, people are going to the websites, not raising their hands and doing their own self-directed searches for information. And by the time they identify to a franchisor who they are, their decisions are sometimes already made. So you're saying before a short form is ever completed, a franchisor can start remarketing and basically, you know, goosing a candidate with some messages with banner ads and the Absolutely. like. Absolutely. When you get someone on your website and they, say they go and they're most focused on the marketing operations support page, and maybe that's where they spend the most time and really read through it and that's what they're looking at. We may know that that's what really drew them to the brand and the ad that they see through display, banners, video, like connected TV or direct mail could be focused on how that brand does a great job with their marketing and operations support. I just think that there's an incredible opportunity here in in the franchise development space all by itself for this product. Have you begun exploring that as a, an adjunct to the primary services that you're providing? Right now, uh, we've seen over a hundred percent in hundred percent drop in lead cost. So going from about $250 calls per lead to $93 calls per lead for one of the brands we're working with. And it's not that they're spending any more money. It's just simply by targeting the right people with the right messages at the, at the time they want to see them. So are you able to identify, I think I shared with you a story once upon a time about sitting on a Delta jet and opening up an in-flight magazine that had an insert section in it on franchising. There were maybe a dozen brands that were promoting themselves and advertising in that in-flight. But I remember one ad that just jumped off the page and it hit me in the solar plexus like I could have been hit by a two-by-four. It showed a guy in a swimming pool and he was playing with his kids. And the caption in the ad was something to the effect of, I used to be sitting in that seat that you're in right now, but this is what I do now since I bought this blank, whatever it was, franchise. And it just hit, you know, you get every emotional nerve is ringing at its maximum when you see something like that and it impacts you and there you are on that plane far, far from home. How would you go about doing that kind of marketing or having that kind of impact with the segmentation that you can do to be able to identify somebody in a similar fashion? We know in that case that, or we'll start to track people by their IP address, their activities, and start to learn a little about their psychographic traits whether they're empathetic, impulsive, whether they travel a lot. And we can start to uh, predict the messaging that they should see. And maybe we identify a road warrior and we start to surface that type of message to that person. 
I don't know, Kristen. I think you've got you got some legs here for things that I don't even know that you've contemplated yet. But um, that to me seems super, super intriguing. And I've got to believe that franchisors on the other side of the floor that you visit when you go visit franchisors marketing departments might just want to hear more about this as well. What do you see on the horizon, Christian? I mean, I don't know if it's five years out is is too long a hockey stick to ask about in this ever fast-paced world of technology today. But even one to three years out, what do you see on the horizon that's going to radically change our lives? Great question. So every every major advertising channels, Google, Facebook, uh, you've got companies, display programmatic companies out there. Every major advertising channel is looking to have dynamic one-to-one ads delivered to people who need them before they ever know they need them. Uh, And the the channels themselves are trying to do that, but you can't really do that effectively unless you understand all of the the different data points. So for us in the future, uh, we're already having these dynamic and personalized conversations with people. But for us in the future, we want to basically automate the uh, entire customer conversation through the life cycle of that person being a customer and uh, just through marketing, increase, increase the overall customer engagement and happiness level with a brand. Explain for the audience what you mean by programmatic advertising programmatic and the difference between that and what you're doing. Is pretty much any agency can go to these programmatic channels and buy, buy display ads or connected TV, streamed radio ads. The difference between us and most agencies is everything we do is dynamically driven. Uh, We are on ad server and it's pretty much all feed-based. So it's based on what people have looked at. It's based on how they've interacted with the brand before, drives the message they'll see. So that's programmatic advertising. It's just a fancy word for display ads. And then on the on the horizon, on the 135 that I asked about, is five too far out? Is that just, you know, over the horizon? based on how fast things are moving today? Five years out, it's going to be tough. Uh, it's it's really tough to call. I think something we haven't talked about, Stan, five years out depends a lot on what data privacy laws come into play here in the U.S. and ac- across the globe. Right now, there are 12 states in the U.S. that have data privacy laws. Our, our system manages for every data privacy law, but most most marketing systems or platforms out there do not manage for those right now. And the reason I bring it up, I think in five years, the government may restrict how data is used in marketing. I Actually, I know it will restrict. Uh, I just don't know how restrictive it'll be and how, how that's going to impact the growth of this kind of AI machine learning driven marketing. GDPR is already upon us. And you might spend a minute for the benefit of the audience that really doesn't have as great a familiarity with that as they should, because GDPR is usually waved off by people thinking, well, that's just in Europe, if they even know that much about it. But truthfully, GDPR can have a massive impact on, and a very adverse massive impact on any business here that doesn't abide by its regulations. Why don't you just take a minute to talk a little about that and how important that is? So GDPR compliance is a set of regulations in Europe that basically says that brands have to get permission to collect someone's personally identifiable information. And they also have to get permission on how they're going to use that and who it can be shared with. Um, So in Europe, if information is used 
uh, with different third parties without a person's consent, then there can be uh, there can be lawsuits against that. So here in the U.S., we have California, which is the first state, of course, to roll out a GDPR-like law. But you also have 11 states that are following suit. So uh, 12 states total that have some sort of data privacy law. And I think the question in the future, first of all, for brands, they're going to have to have a system uh, that manages the data privacy for every state because brands are all across the country. Uh, but the question in the future for these types of data privacy laws in the U.S. is, is it going to be federally controlled or is it going to be state-owned? And that's uh, when I talk about just the the challenge we have going forward. I mean, we already manage for the laws, but we just don't know how tight that's going to restrict some of the things we can do. And can you define manage for? What does that mean? What is What should a franchisor be taking out of this conversation or this portion of the conversation and going back and talking to their IT department about? It's not just their IT department. They should be talking to their uh, legal counsel about it. But when we say manage for these laws, uh, if you're not hashing out or anonymizing certain parts of people and people's information before you share it with different systems, then you may be violating these laws already. And to what extreme can that come back and bite you? There's not really precedence in the U.S. yet, but there will be within a year or two. And what about in Europe? In Europe, there's Google just got a $73 billion fine. Say that again. <laughs> $73 billion fine. That was billion with a B, right? Correct. Wow. So it's nothing to sneeze at and it's nothing to pay short shrift to. And while it might not be on the doorstep today, uh, tomorrow or a week from now, it certainly could be. And again, as fast as everything else is moving that we've talked about today, I would expect that that will accelerate as well. Would you agree? I completely agree. And the fine for Google is $57 million, not $73 billion. It's still high. Big numbers. Yes. Christian, we're getting to the place in the interview where it becomes time for me to ask my guests, what did I not ask you that you wish that I did? I want to talk on a personal front about something with your work with UNICEF first, but let's stay on topic before we move to that. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things I'd love to touch on is I, I get so excited by technology and I definitely always want to be on the forefront of it. And for me, I get the most excitement out of bringing uh, solutions to franchises that help them comp- help the help the small mom and pop businesses compete with all the enterprise brands out there. Um, but what that means is I focus almost 95, 100 percent of my time on the uh, tech business. And I just want to take a second to thank the team at OxyFresh and Cherry. So. Brittany Hardy at Cherry and uh, Brandon Fish and Connor Crook at Oxyfresh. They uh, they basically run those stores on my behalf with very, very little involvement. And they are truly about personal growth and uh, they're building, building a great team there. Don't forget Connor Crook, too, because I know he's not management yet, but I've, I'm telling you, he should be. Those guys came and did my rugs and... Connor acted like he owned the place. And I don't mean just the franchise. He acted like he was Jonathan Barnett. Yeah. He, he knows it better than anyone. He uh, <laughs> The first week he completed 
all of the all of the online training that Oxyfresh has, and he basically corrected. Uh, I remember him correcting Brandon on how to clean some aspect of the carpet. <laughs> That's great. Well, I want to round out the interview with the personal side of your life. I always ask if there are um, franchisors that are benevolent. In fact, I'm going to be doing a series of interviews on franchisors that give back and put as much of their heart into charity and into uh, being benevolent as they do into the growth of their own brands. We're going to have Jimmy John leading the charge with that series of interviews. But tell us today a little bit about you and your work with UNICEF. Yeah, so I got involved with UNICEF when I was 25, 26. I I think growing up, I was aware of UNICEF. They do a big trick-or-treat for UNICEF, which a lot of people know about. Um, But I, so I'd always been aware of it, but never really involved. And I came across an organization, it's called UNICEF Next Gen. And a a friend got me to go to a meeting and really just started to re-engage and learn learn about UNICEF again. The the core mission behind UNICEF is uh, it's they always say children first. So they work in over 190 countries uh, to save children's lives, defend their rights, and help them kind of fulfill their whole potential, I guess. So a lot of UNICEF's work, when you think about underprivileged or impoverished people in the U.S. and, you know, people who struggle struggle to eat when you're talking about this type of famine and poverty in third world countries you're talking about uh kids who may get a meal once every three once every five days like extreme extreme malnourishment um so anyways i i got very i guess very involved with that over the past three to five years and uh it's just it's a really neat organization it's a group of 20 to 40 year olds who, uh, who raise money and support, support these needs around the world. Uh, and what's great about it for me is, uh, right now through Oxyfresh, for example, we're, we're working on a program to, uh, support some of the water crises around the world. So you can actually pick, uh, where your donations and where your dollars go to. Uh, and I'd encourage anyone to, if they're interested in learning more to reach out to me. And that's the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is to tell the audience, how do they find you to talk more about this and anything that we've spoken about today? Absolutely. So you can always find me on LinkedIn, Christian Pillet, and you can always email me Christian at transitive.io and that's T-R-A-N-S-I-T-I-V dot I-O. And Pillet is P-I-L-L-A-T, correct? Correct. You want to share very quickly any upcoming expos, shows, places that people will find you? Absolutely. So we uh, we recently, as of this morning, decided to go to the event in Washington. So one of the things I'm excited to try to talk to people about there are actually some of the data privacy laws that are going to affect franchising and the legislation we need to look for there. Uh, we'll be attending the Franchise Leadership and Development Conference, Franchise Springboard, and uh, MidCon in October. All good, Christian. Can't thank you enough for carving out the time to be with us today and to share all of this with us. And uh, we're going to be looking for you out on the franchise trail. So while the heat of summer is winding down, the fall calendar is heating up as September comes knocking with a franchise calendar full of expos and events. 
The IFA Franchise Action Network, as Christian just mentioned, is just around the corner, September 9 through 11 in Washington, D.C. Franchise Expo Midwest follows that in the northwest Chicago suburbs of Rosemont on the 13th and 14th. And then comes the Franchise Springboard for Emerging Brands on the 18th through the 20th in Philadelphia. And then the month wraps up with IFA's Franchise Ops and Development Conference in New Orleans, September 25 through 27. Lots going on in the month of September. Enjoy what's left of the summer. And please remember to subscribe to Franchise Today at Blog Talk Radio and that you can download us from iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or virtually any place that podcasts are found. And remember, too, that you can even ask Alexa to play the latest episode of Franchise Today. Like us on Facebook. Thank Christian and Transitive for becoming our newest sponsors. And remember, too, to be back here with us again next week when I'll be joined by Young Rembrandt's founder and CEO, Betty Federer. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.